Okay, everybody, I'm going to get started here in just a second. I'm just waiting for other people to kind of get the notification that um, I've gone live and so we can get a very rigorous and healthy comment section going here, which is my goal. So I have people to talk to. <laughs> so tell me in the comment section um, how you're feeling about the royal engagement and all of the issues around it. The race issues, um, the is she pregnant issues, because that's something interesting too that we can talk about from sort of a trad life or traditionalist perspective. I think there's just like a lot of a lot of meat here that we can sort through. This isn't going to be a very long chat um, because my kids are in the living room or out actually out in the kitchen, um, supposedly cleaning up after lunch. Um, we had a little bit of an early lunch today. We'll see. Um, I can hear them arguing <laughs> from where I'm at. So we'll see how this goes. Um, somebody asked what race she is. And so, yeah, that's the question. How do we define race here? So she's mixed race. She's white and black. If you go to ethnic celebs, um, she has not taken a DNA test that is on public record. So we don't know exactly the breakdown of what she is percentage wise. Her mother is African-American, so she's a black American woman, and then the father is a, a white guy, um, presumably pretty much fully white. Um, and she looks incredibly white, okay? So she obviously has um, some African um, influence in her hair. You can tell she manages her hair a little bit. Um, I read an article that says that she gets uh, what's called the Brazilian blowout you know, to help with her hair, relax it, shine it, that sort of thing. So she does some hair care there to make it look a little more European. But for the most part, I think that if you, you know, give this lady a DNA test, um, she's going to come out majority white. We know that most um, African-Americans have anywhere from 20 to 40% white DNA. Admixture in there, um, they're a lot whiter, obviously, than somebody from Africa. So I think that, you know, at this point, we can assume um, given her her phenotype, given um, the the history of everything, it, you know, it looks to me like she's probably at, she's at least a good three quarters white. She's at least seventy five percent white. I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if she was any any more or any less white than that. I would say. So, um, granted that the children are going to be obviously partially mixed race, but not. Very much so, I would say, uh, you know, very little. Um, so, oh, somebody says 20 to 40%. That, that's what I've heard, 20 to 40% um, uh, white mixture um, for uh, African-Americans. If anybody else has a different statistic, go ahead and put it in the chat box. I am certainly not an expert. I'm not claiming to be. That's simply what I've read. Um, so um, let's see here. Let me jump on over here and just make sure that this, okay, this has gone out on Twitter. Um, so there's been a lot of, I'm going to pull up my Twitter from today um, and go through it because I think that there's been a lot of people that have made a lot of interesting points here. And what's been fascinating to me is that everybody is got an opinion on this um, and that you know, some people are saying uh, one drop black makes you black, not white. Or actually, somebody just said that in the comments. That's funny. I was going to say that. Um, and then somebody 
you know, and then other people will say, you know, so, okay, so there's blacks that don't want to claim her. They're saying she's white. There's whites that don't want to claim her and they're saying she's black, which I think is a problem that mixed race people obviously have. And then there's people, there's whites that are like, ah, she's white enough. And, you know, I kind of fall into that camp. I, I'm, I speak in generalities and majorities most of the time. And I think that she's obviously white enough. Harry is incredibly white as to be almost clear. I mean, he's, you know, white guy, red hair. Um, you know, certainly I think that if anything, if we're, if we're worried about, you know, the genociding of any race here in, in this mixture, it's, it's her black side, which is going to be, you know, washed out in the genetics of all of this. So, um, so, you know, and, and there's, there's black people that are concerned about that on Twitter. There's black people talking about that. Um, so I think that there's like so many angles that you can come at this from, um, that is, you know, it's, you know, it's just so complex. And, and there's the idea that, uh, you know, um, the example that this sets as well, you know, obviously because the royal family, and this is this is a big part of where I'm coming from. Um, I think that as white people, we have lost so much of our culture and the royal family is really an example of that. Nobody respects them anymore. They don't act respectable um, for the past two generations. There's been very little respectability. That's why I'm a huge fan of Kate Middleton. And I love, love, love how she holds up the traditions in that family. And I've, I've spoken about that on my Thursday night show a couple of times. So I'm a huge, huge fan of, of Princess Kate. And so I, so I'm coming at this two ways. So number one, um, I didn't think Harry was ever going to get married. He was a playboy and he was a terrible example in that respect, sleeping around, drinking drugs, lots of parties, lots of women. And for him to settle down at all, like, let's take out of the fact, like, let's take out of the picture for a second, the race issue, just for her, him to be settling down at all is like a huge win for tradi traditional life and like setting a good example. Now, whether or not that marriage is actually going to be a, you know, a good marriage, whether or not they're going to be a good example in their married life. I don't know. Obviously we can't tell like his parents didn't do a really great job. His grandmother um, and grandfather have done an amazing job to set an example of a really strong marriage um, based on tradition and, 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 um, at least as far as that go, I mean, you can disagree with them politically and obviously a lot of us do, but as far as an example of marriage, his grandparents are terrific. So we kind of have both extremes in that family. And so we don't know how this is going to play out. Um, so, okay. So somebody in the chat is saying the marriage won't last longer than two years. I think that, yeah, and she's already a divorcee. This is incredibly important. So again, aside from the race issue, it's great that he's settling down, but he has picked a peasant woman, right? He has picked a divorcee, which is not traditional. So he's doing some things traditional and then he's settling down and we can be grateful for that and thankful for that. And, but in the example of that for, for white men, but then he is also picked a commoner, which is not really great as far as like keeping with the tradition of the Royals. Um, but there's also that actress to princess story that we all love. At least I do when it comes to like people like Grace Kelly. Um, she was, you know, an amazing princess and she was an actress in American and was kind of like swept away. And she, you know, ended up being this, this wonderful princess and a wonderful, um, example to the people that she, um, whose country she, she became the princess for, for Monaco. Um, 
Somebody says she seems nice and I think it will last. Yeah, you know, and there's also some indication, obviously she's an actress, she's an American, she's mixed race. So there's a lot of liberal politics and policies there, but I don't know her hardly. I mean, obviously I don't know her at all, but I mean, as far as knowing her through reading about her online, I don't think a lot of us know a lot of her history and her beliefs. So, um, you know, and somebody says, oh, somebody says, is he actually Charles's son? So that, there you go. I mean, that, that's, an, that's another thing to, to, to wrap into this. He's obviously not in line at all for the throne. I mean, there would have to be a really big die off in the royal family to get anyone um, in Harry's family anywhere near the royal throne. So as far as like, you know, their children becoming, you know, uh, the next king or queen, that's probably incredibly un unlikely. Um, so somebody says she's a feminist. If she's a feminist, that's going to be a problem, obviously, for their marriage. I mean, straight up, that's just always going to be a problem in, in a marriage. So, um, so yeah, we don't really know there. Um, and I don't know if you all saw the pictures, but um, girl, she looks pregnant, <laughs> right? This girl looks really pregnant. And so I think that that might be an added side of this. Of course, though, they're, they're saying they're going to get married in spring 2018. So if she was pregnant, it doesn't seem like they put the wedding off that long. You know, you would be expecting it to be happening like within a month or so. Um, so there's another element of that. Um, I think that it's really this really captures something again, like I started out saying earlier on, this really captures something about um, white culture and about European culture worldwide right now and where we are with it. We, you know, we've gone from Queen Elizabeth II to, you know, we've seen, you know, the, you know, she, she forbid her sister from getting married to a divorced man. And so then, you know, now we have fast forward um, two generations later, and this is something that's happening all the time. Obviously, you know, Charles got married to Camilla Parker Bowles after Diana's death, um, or his, yeah, I think it was after her death. And um, we have things, you know, but, but Queen Elizabeth II didn't attend the wedding. You know, I think she re attended the reception, but not the wedding ceremony itself. Um, so there's just so much there's just so much to unpack here um and so again my my general thought kind of where i'm coming from on the race issue is again i i kind of look at at race in terms of generalities there are mixed race people right and we can't like forbid them to breed i don't know i suppose there's some people out there that are that extreme that they'd want to like sterilize mixed race people that seems ridiculous to me and i feel like the best thing for mixed race people is they simply you know, have to choose a side, you know, I mean, ultimately, they, um, if you're, you know, for example, half white and half black, you're going to have to choose a side, you're going to marry black or white. I mean, I mean, suppose you, you could marry Asian or something else. And then and then that's a whole nother kettle of fish. But for the most part, you're going to have to pick a side and you're going to have to decide whether you're white and your offspring are going to be majority white or whether you're black and your offspring are going to be majority black. And I think what's interesting is if a white person, you know, or I should say a mixed race person, you know, in either circumstance, they're, they're going to get uh, blowback from both communities, but they're going to get more blowback from the black community usually for race mixing um, with whites, for marrying white, for continuing to go the white direction if that's the way they choose with their descendants. 
Um, and then, you know, they're going to get a lot more from the black community on that than they get from the white community. Okay. So is that a benefit for the white community or not? Are we, we are tolerant. Yes. But then that, does that mean race mixing is going to happen more on our side if we're more tolerant of it? Well, yes. And okay, so what's the implication there? We also tend as white people not to have as many babies as other races. Um, Blacks and Latinos, particularly in America, you know, um, outbreed us by far. So, you know, what's what's going to happen? Do, do we simply need to keep our numbers up? Is it a numbers game? Do we need to be playing it strictly a numbers game? White people need to be having babies. And we need to have like as little race mixing as possible. Is is that the issue? You know, I don't know. That's why I want to talk about this. I want to, I want to, you know, have everybody talk about this. Um, marrying a divorced woman three years older than himself. Um, yeah, no princesses in Europe. Now this is, you know, yeah, this is an important part of it. So again, I can be grateful on the one hand that he's at least getting married right? Because I didn't think, I think a lot of us thought he wouldn't. But ideally, would he be following a more traditional pattern, marrying another European princess as his ancestors have done for, you know, centuries? I think that would be the ideal. I think it would be hard to argue that that's not the ideal. And it's not, again, it's not a racist issue, even it's not even a race mixing issue. I mean, if you were to go down to Africa, um, you know, let's, I, I always like to flip things around. So when you're talking about race and you're trying to be equal and we're trying to be fair about things, we always, 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 always switch out the components, switch them around and look at it from the other angle. So if we had, um, you know, a Nigerian prince or chieftain or, you know, something like this down in Africa, um, in the Congo or somewhere else like that, and they, uh, you know, they'd always been black, right? Obviously they're in Africa. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of white people started marrying into this royal family, or at least only one white person married into this royal family in Africa. And white people were rising up and saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're ending that black reign down in the Congo. You know, we're going to get some white jeans up in there and we're going to white it up, you know. Um, and, you know, you people are going to have to get used to it down in the Congo. You know, white is coming to stay and, and all this sort of thing that that is done to to white people and white culture and white civilizations right now um in in the social discussion you know that would it, that would be seen as racist right it would be seen as racist if white people were like we really need to go white up the congo royal congonese royal family or you know the somali royal family or the you know nigerian royal family it would be like incredibly it was to be seen as incredibly racist you know um and um, I, you know, I honestly don't know how it would be viewed if it, if we took white people out of it entirely and we said like, you know, I don't know, some Japanese people were marrying into the Nigerian dynasty or something. I don't even know what would happen there. I can't even get my head around how society would respond to that. But when we have the black and white issue, we know that there's a double standard there. And so white people aren't allowed to preserve our, our race and our culture and our traditions, um, even within our own royal lines, right, in Europe. That's just not allowed, like, from a social perspective. So how hard do we push back against that? Like, how much does it matter? Because we're also talking about human beings. I mean, this girl, um, Megan, and I absolutely love her name, too. Um, Megan is, she's a human being, right? She didn't ask to be mixed race. This was not her choice, you know, it wasn't her choice to be um, an American or any of that. And it, it probably wasn't, I don't know how much of it was her choice to fall in love with the prince. I don't think that's probably anything that she foresaw in her future necessarily. Um, 
Although girls, wouldn't we all try if we could? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my mom used to tell me when I was a little kid, it's just as easy to fall in love with a doctor as it is, you know, um, a plumber or something like this. Um, I guess it's you know just as easy to fall in love with a prince. Now maybe easier, but um, <laughs> so we we have to we have to discuss this in generalities. We have to talk in terms of culture. We have to talk. I mean, we have we have to we have to address that issue and and European heritage. We have to address the issue of them being an example. So we know right now that particularly race mixing is incredibly propagandized and targeted at whites right now across the board in Australia, America, Canada, Europe, everywhere that whites are, we're really being propagandized to and fetishized over race mixing in a way that is not being pushed China, Japan, Africa, you know, Latin America, anywhere like this, right? So we know that this is going on. And so this gives, you know, this gives more credibility to that, to that, that race mixing propaganda. It does. I mean, just to be, you know, clear on that, it does. However, again, how much of a mixed race marriage really is it as far as the kids? I mean, the kids are going to be like, you know, what are they going to be like 15% black, maybe at the most? I don't, is that really mixed race? You know, and it kind of, you know, Tara McCarthy um, from Reality Calls, you know, she deals with this issue a lot because she has, I, be, I believe it's a grandfather, a great grandfather who's from India. And she, otherwise she's Celtic. She's done DNA tests. I think she's let, like 10% or less Indian or something like this. Um, but people call her mixed race, but she doesn't consider herself mixed race because obviously she grew up in that culture, in that kind of Celtic British culture in the UK. And she, you know, she's not very connected to India or Indian things. Um, you know. So, um, you know, she considers herself white. I think that these kids would mostly, I think they would consider themselves pretty much white, um, but they won't if they're told they're not, right? So here's another aspect of that. If we're told, if they're told to value that 10, 15, 20%, whatever it is of African over their white genetics, then there's going to be a problem, right? If we we push on them that idea. So in in a way, race is socially constructed. You know, it is. In a way, it, there is some social construction to race. Very few people are pure. Pure one, you know, one race or the other. Um I mean in America, at least in 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 western countries. Again, and that's something else we can get into, you know, why is that? Why is it only for western countries? Um okay, somebody's tagged me here. Sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. When they classify race, it's more from a bio standpoint um, based on melanin thresholds. So when one race mixes with blacks, the stronger melanin passed down classifies the baby as black. Okay, well, that's interesting um, perspective. Um, let me see here. Is anyone, I'm, I'm just going to, I would, I'm going to make some moderators in the chat because we're, um, the chat is pretty hopping and I think we're going to need some moderators. So if you're willing to be um, a moderator, just speak up and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to go first choice with people I've seen here in my chats before, just because I kind of know I can trust you. So please don't take offense if I don't make you a moderator, but if you would like to be a moderator, please go ahead and tell me. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and add some people here if we can. And if nobody wants to be moderator, that's okay. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, while I'm waiting on that, um, okay, let's see here. Now I have to see if I can remember how to make a moderator. There we go. 
Okay, I've crowned you, Michael. <laughs> okay, so at least we've got one moderator to help keep the chat going. Okay, so I'm gonna come up here. I'm gonna go back through the, the comments a little bit because I've missed a little bit. Um, every mulatto child identifies with the non-white family because that's how you claim oppression points. That's also important. That is, you know, thank you for bringing that up, uh, Syrup. That is, um, that's an important point because we do. And that, that's what I was kind of just saying a moment ago is that, you know, whatever it is, 10 to 20% black that they will be genetically, um, would be probably a non-issue if they're raised, you know, as English royalty in properly traditional, proper English traditional royalty, um, raised with a healthy respect for their culture. Um, they probably wouldn't think much about it other than, oh yeah, you know, I kind of have this other part of me. Um, much the way, again, um, Tara McCarthy describes herself. It's like, you know, she wouldn't change it. She's not ashamed of it, but she feels overwhelmingly, you know, um, British or Celtic. Um, and so, uh, Th that's the way it would be. And I, I think that's why it's important to have cultural, like cultural definitions in order to raise children because, be, you know, growing up is confusing enough, you know, but then, and then growing up, a, you know, mixed race to whatever extent is going to be confusing enough. But if we don't have good cultural, strong cultural guidelines for, you know, um, to say, this is what an American in is, this is what a, uh, a British person is, this is what a German is then it gets even more confusing, right? And, and which is why I advocate for very strong American identity, even outside of the race issue. We need to have a very strong um, American identity so that people who are mixed race or people who are here, you know, because America started out, you know, with, with a black population. So we were never entirely white. Um, you know, we can, we can still have kind of like be on the same page going forward. Does that make sense? And so um, I think that is, that's another reason why having a culture and strong cultural definitions and boundaries is important, but we don't have that right now, right? So communists, Marxists have, they're trying so hard to erase all of that. So these children are going to be grown, you know, raised in an environment where that percentage of their black DNA is going to be seen as the oppression Olympics. It's going to be seen as something that, you know, they should hold up on a pedestal far above anything white in them. All right, let me check back in here with the comments and go ahead and tag me for sure. If you definitely want me to see your comment, because sometimes as I'm talking and the comments are rolling by and you guys are talking to each other. Sometimes it's hard to see if people want me to address a specific issue or if they're just kind of throwing it out there to the chat in general and don't care whether or not I address it. So um, go ahead and make sure you tag me if you want me to see it. So some people are talking about DNA tests and that, oh, that kind of gets back to, you know, how pure is pure? Where do you even draw the lines? We can all purity spiral into that. So I'm 100% European, but that doesn't mean I'm 100% one type of European, right? You know, and um, so I'm I'm 40% uh, British, 50% German or Germanic, you know, Dutch, German, Swiss kind of combination there, Germanic. Um, and then I am, let me remember, 5% Irish, 2% um, like Spain, Spanish, uh, what the Iberian Peninsula? Oh, what was the rest? 1% Greek, 1% Finnish and 1% Italian. I think it was, I might be misremembering the Italian, but so, you know, overwhelmingly I'm 
German English, right? Um, so I kind of consider myself Saxon for lack of a better term. But so even somebody like me, 100% European, I'm not 100% one type of European. So like how narrow do we draw our boundaries when we're talking about race? Okay, so somebody's tagged me. A lot of Africans don't claim African-Americans because a lot of, because a lot of the product of race mixing during slavery but you never hear them identifying with their slave master side, only the slaves. Yeah, exactly. So this is an issue. This is a big issue. Um, and I've even thought of that on a personal level. So I was just going through my, my, my genetic lineup there. I'm 1% Finnish. And I think Finnish culture is like so beautiful and amazing. And I'd love to like claim part of that because I know I have relatives that were like 100% Finnish, right? But it's like so long ago and I'm so much not that much Finnish anymore. I'm only 1%. And so it's like, you know, what do we claim and what do we identify with? And, and certainly black uh, Americans have a lot of white in them, like a, a, a lot, a lot, a lot. How much of that do they claim? How much of that do you want to identify with? The way we treat race right now in our country by saying, I mean, blanketly, right now we say black is better than white. You know, let's just be frank about that. Black is cooler. Black gets you the oppression points. Black gets you the social clubs at school. You cannot have a white social club. Black gets you heritage. Black gets you what people intrinsically want. They want identity. And whites in our country, and at least in America, and this goes, this is true for a lot of the West, aren't allowed to have racial identity. So obviously, if you're a mixed race and you've got any part black, you're really going to want to identify with that, right? Because you're allowed to. I mean, let's just be straight up honest. It doesn't even matter like what you personally feel or like even what culture you more like would identify with. You're allowed to, and it's easier. Um, let me see. I think I saw some chats rolling by or some comments rolling by that I wanted to see. Somebody had said 75% is, is enough. And I think they mean 75% white. I'm not sure. But if that's what they meant, then I agree. I, again, I, you know, we have to talk in terms of generalities because a lot of people are, are mixed race. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, even somebody like millennial woes, he's, he's like a quarter Italian or something, you know, it's like three quarters, um, like British, Scottish mix or whatever. And then part Italian. So like, you know, none of us is a hundred percent one thing in that way. I mean, definitely there are races and there are people that are hundred percent one race. Like I'm a hundred percent white. Right. But like how narrow do we get? I don't know. And I, so somebody says no 80%. I don't know. I don't know where we would draw the lines. Again, I'm a majority kind of person, even if somebody's 65% white and they really identify with their white side more than they do, whatever the other side is. Again, I'm a pretty big tent kind of person. And you know, um, I'm okay with that. You know, I, it's not, they're human beings. We have to talk in generalities, but we have to, to realize that these are human beings too. And they didn't choose to be mixed race. You know, none of them chose that. Okay. Why for the purpose? Is it immoral for an atheist to seek out a Christian woman because she doesn't want to marry, because he doesn't want to marry a former slut? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a big question. Um, kind of off topic. I would say no. It's not necessarily immoral unless you're, I mean, unless you're lying to her, then that would be immoral if you're up front with her. So my husband's an atheist. A lot of people know that he's a reluctant atheist. He wishes he wasn't an atheist. He just hasn't had that personal experience with God that would convince him there is one. So, um, 
you know, but he's a cultural Christian, you know, he, his, his butt is in church every Sunday, you know, and, um, he is participating in our faith community, um, in, in tremendous ways and has been for years now. And he is a huge advocate for Christianity and Christian values and morals and principles. Wants our children to be Christian. He will sit down and tell them, you know, to do their, their little, you know, packets of work that they brought home from their, from their class at church. You know, he, he will um, make sure they get to church activities, even when he grounds them, even when he's upset with them, he will still allow them to go to church activities. He holds it as incredibly valuable. And so I think that that, that sort of marriage works. And particularly if you're looking for somebody who, who was previously not, you know, not a slut, then that's going to be an important consideration for you. You're, you're more likely going to find that in the Christian um, world. I would say though, however, um, is not to completely, um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but don't, ca don't cast all sluts aside. Some can have been redeemed. And whereas you might want this perfect virginal woman, we have to deal with the realities of our world. And as long as she's not diseased and doesn't come with, you know, a pack of, of kids with, uh, you know, a bunch of different dads, then I think that, you know, if she's honestly repentant, has changed her ways, has, amend has mended her lifestyle, is wanting to be a traditional wife, um, I think that there's great value in that. And, and whereas I never would classify myself as having been um, a slut, I was never into that sort of thing. Um, I definitely was a liberal, you know, and so I, you know, I have, um, I have a past, I have a history. And so I think to a point, you know, sometimes we just have to be willing to overlook that for the right person if they've honestly, um, sought redemption from those behaviors. Okay. On to the chat. What are your thoughts on American Europeans wanting to move back to Europe? Um, I think that that is that's great. I actually, I can't say that I haven't considered it myself. And I absolutely love, 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 love being an American. But I'm very worried about where our country is going. Um, I do worry about the fact that the culture is rapidly changing. And not only is it just changing into a non-white culture, but it is becoming, you know, it has become, I should say, very hostile and anti-white. And the violence against whites and, and the blatant bigotry, you know, not hiring white people for certain positions and openly saying this is getting, you know, more and more. I have still a little hope in my heart for America that it will turn around, that we can get the ship turned around. Um, and, and that's a big part of what keeps me here. But Europe also is being, you know, has much the same problems that Europe, I mean, that America does and, and even wor in worse in, in a lot of ways. So moving back to Europe isn't a cure-all for, for our immediate problems, but it is something that we can think about in terms of simply wanting to be somewhere that feels like home. You know, if you are honestly a European, an ethnically European American and you don't feel like this is your home and you just cannot get into it, then, and you think that you could work really, you know, you could work hard to help reclaim Europe for Europeans, then I think that that's, that's a tremendous thing. And I do know people moving to, to you know, try or at least trying to move to Poland and Hungary and places like this. My husband and I have definitely looked into it. And it's not something that's completely off the table, to be honest. Like it's in our lives personally, it's not something that's, that's totally off the table. So um, I guess I'm a fan of it. So I saw somebody tag me and now I can't find it. Oh, there you go. Poland is taking in white Americans. I've heard that. And I've said, and I've said before in this program, I have a Polish uncle by marriage. He married my, my mother's sister. 
Um, and he was, he's from Poland. He was born in Poland. He moved, he immigrated here when he was five and grew up in Chicago and he speaks fluent Polish. And so I grew up with a lot of Polish traditions in my family, um, at you know, Christmas and things like this. Um, most of them revolved around drinking games, <laughs> Polish pop and that sort of thing. But, um, I grew up with a lot of Polish traditions in my family because of that. Um, and so I feel incredibly comfortable with Polish culture, even though I'm not ethnically Polish myself. Um, and I absolutely love what's going on in Poland as far as the Catholic church and how, um, traditional it is and important it is in everybody's life over there. And I think that that's, um, Think something valuable. Why did Poland and Hungary ban Richard Spencer? I don't know. I have never quite looked into that. If anybody in the chat knows why that is, um, you know, go ahead and, and speak up. I think, you know, somebody like, I mean, Richard Spencer's become our generation's David Duke, right? It's like you listen, if you actually listen to what David Duke says and read his stuff, it's actually incredibly mild. It's nothing nowhere near like what people make him sound like. And I, you know, and again, I'm not a fan of David Duke because I don't actually agree with him on a lot of stuff, like just politically and socially, like I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, but he's not what they say he is. Right. And the same with Richard Spencer, I actually only probably agree with 50% of Richard Spencer's political and social views. Um, but what they say about him isn't who he is. And so it, it could just simply be a case of that. Like he's too toxic. Like some people become too toxic right to associate with and and sometimes people have to make that decision and i'm not saying it's the right decision and it, it's definitely a decision that i've made in my life um not to do you know i take individuals on their merit i'm not going to say this person's culturally toxic and therefore not associate with them but maybe poland and hungary made that decision and just said you know what he's too politically toxic irrespective of his actual belief set and we're just going to play it safe in order to make things a little easier and smoother for us. But I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody says they, they did it because they continually get called Nazis. And so they're trying to counter it. And that, that very well may be. I would imagine that's what it is. Um, okay. His books are really good. I think you guys are talking about Duke there. I have not actually read David Duke's books, but I have watched some interviews with him um, a little bit uh, and things like that. And again, like I said, I don't, I don't, subscribe to his um necessarily to his political philosophies or anything but he's certainly not the he's certainly not what the press makes him out to be at all in fact it's really funny because when the press overhypes people like richard spencer or david duke as like being the second incarnation of you know satan or something like this the antichrist and then you actually read what they they write you're like oh really okay <laughs> it makes it seem even milder in some respects <laughs> Um, so that backfire is on them. Okay. So I think, I don't know if anybody wants to jump in a little bit more about the, the upcoming nuptials on the Royal family. I think I've covered everything and that that I can. It's simply just a complicated subject. It simply is very complicated. Um, in the early U.S., Italians were classified as black because of the African Moors race mixing during the Spain invasion. They even used to be buried in slave graveyards. That is not true across the board. Um, I think certainly there is some evidence that that happened occasionally. But this whole notion that, that Italians and Irish weren't considered white in early America is pr actually pretty thoroughly debunked. Um, 
And I know it's kind of what we're all taught in our history books, but it's not really true. And certainly there were ethnic tensions between European peoples in immigrating to America early on. I, I would never deny that. But, um, but it's actually not the issue that we've been told it was. That's been overhyped in order to take away um, kind of a pan-white identity from Americans um, by trying to, to make it look like there was more uh, disagreement on that than there was. Um, I actually, I'm wondering if I can find it. I think I have a really good Twitter thread on that that somebody posted. I can actually post it in the chats probably if I can find it real quick here. Let me pull up. Um, cause I saved it in a little folder. I thought I did. That's not it. Let me see if I can pull that up because they did a really great breakdown. Oh man, I can't find it. I know I kept it. Um, oh, okay. Well, here's one on the Irish. Okay, I'm going to put the link in the chat box. This is just, I mean, and this this is very much of this is still is true for the Italians as well. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put this in the chat box, but this is a link to a Twitter thread. Hopefully their account is still active. Or maybe I'm not going to. It's not letting me put the link in. Shoot. Okay. It's not letting me put the link in. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over on Twitter. I'm going to link it. I'm just going to tweet it out. And I'm just going to trade it out under um, race in early America, a thread. And hopefully it's coming up. Hopefully they haven't been banned. Ah, it says tweet is unavailable. Shoot. Let me check. Ah, bummer. Okay, that's why. Never mind. I'm going to delete that. I was afraid that was going to happen. Twitter got him. It was really good. And he like cited all his sources and everything. I should have just like copied all the sources instead of the tweet. I was being lazy. I apologize. But anyways, the information is out there. Maybe that's something that we could do or I could do, I don't know, another time we could get into that race in early America. Somebody says, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too. Have you watched The Greatest Story Never Told? The full thing is on YouTube. Yes, I have. Yep. Um, let's see. In Japan, when a royal marries a non-royal or commoner, the Japanese courts strip any royal privileges that he, he slash her was born with. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, the Japanese and the Asians in general, they don't play around. They don't play around. We could learn so much from them. And I, you know, I love, you know, obviously I love white culture. It's my favorite, it's my people. So I, I like it the best, but man, could we learn a lot from Asians? And yeah, sometimes they're overly strict. I get it. But, you know, stuff like that, it preserves their culture. It preserves their culture. That's, yeah. And somebody says the Japanese can't be cucked. They can't. A lot of the Asians can't be, um, and and that's why, like, they're so unapologetically, like, cool with themselves and cool with preserving themselves. And I really wish European, ethnic Europeans across the globe would get would get down on that level. Um, have you watched Europe: The Last Battle? No. Is that a movie? I don't know. I have not. 
So my DMs are open on Twitter. So if you have something you want me to see, you can send me a direct message. Um, in fact, that reminds me that I need to check my messages. Uh, let me see here. Because I was trying to bring somebody else in on this chat. I actually wanted somebody else to be talking, but people work. <laughs> I'm a stay-at-home mom, so <laughs> but people are working. Um, yeah, it's just a little easier for me to sneak away in the middle of the day. Like as my kids are wrapping up lunch, which they're probably done with, the fighting noises have subsided. So I think they're back to their workbooks. So I better get back out there here in a bit. Um, yeah, so I think I'm, I think I'm probably going to wrap it up. If you've got any last questions, go ahead and throw them up in the chat box. This has been really fun. Thank you guys for hopping over here um, this afternoon and, and um, having these discussions with me. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> the Japs are pretty bad, ASS, says somebody. I have Quail Higgins. I agree with you, Quail Higgins. <laughs> they, um, they, they don't take any nonsense. So Julie Kidman says the Japanese have signs up that say Japanese only. It's awesome. Respect Japan. You know, they're just, that's like when I was talking about those basketball players on my, on my show last Thursday night and those, those silly basketball players that stole over in China. I was like, China doesn't care about you. Like you're black. Like I, to be honest, like the Chinese don't like love black people that much. You know, they're really cool with being like, we're Chinese and, um, we're going to do what's best for us. And we really don't want other people over here, like stealing our stuff or messing up our culture. And like, they're completely unapologetic about it. Asians are, and we could really, we could learn some things. And I, I love the humanity of whites. I love how altruistic we are, you know, and I, I would hate to lose that, but at this point, you know, it might very well just be our complete undoing. We have to get a little bit of spine back. I wouldn't want us to be as rigid as the Asians because I just personally, like things to be a little bit more flexible and creative, but we got to get, we got to get our spine back. Somebody says thoughts on Durante, uh, the Philippines leader saying he's a fascist and sending death squads for leftists and drug dealers. Oh man. Well, my husband and I talk a lot about Durante. Um, love him and hate him. Obviously he's, he's brutal. He's brutal. And that's terrible. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's absolutely terrible from a, a morality standpoint in that respect it's absolutely essential for the survival of his country right now and i'm not into like i'm not gonna start you know moralizing you know uh necessary evils or whatever I, you know i'm not god it's it's not up to me to, to moralize that um i think killing innocent people definitely is against the um biblical commands. So I'm going to come down on, on that side. But if we are speaking, speaking strictly like the Philippines is in desperate straits, right? It's in desperate straits and they have so much to deal with as far as degeneracy goes over there um, with the leftists and the drug dealers and the Muslims and things. And, you know, it's either like you clean it up or you, you watch your people die out of their own foolishness like you know and that's why i'm a woman and i'm not a leader of a country that's why i'm a stay-at-home mom um Durante's the leader of the alt-right um somebody says he's 100 percent right he i mean he is in some ways you know not, not in like 
necessarily an ethical way, but in a strictly preserving your people, like what he's doing in that sense needs to be done. I'm not saying that I agree with it or that he should be doing it. I am saying it's just a cold, hard, brutal fact that, like I just said, they they either have to clean up their house or they're gonna they're gonna drown as as a people and a culture. And so something has to be done. Um, and I wish there was another way. And I, I'm definitely for all trying to find another way. I mean, that's not the way I would want my country to go necessarily. But I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to. We know too much, you know, really, um, scientifically, like, particularly as we get into genetics and we get into all of these things that we're uncovering scientifically. It's like we know too much at this point. And we kind of know that, you know, being a drug addict, for example, isn't just a personal weakness, that it's typically a genetic one as well. So do you want those drug addicts having 50 babies and the responsible people in your country having one? Well, no, right? So, I mean, that's dysgenic. And, you know, what's going to happen to your population if you do that? Um, that's why I'm just a fan. I'm really a fan of just like British aristocracy, unlike the old traditional systems and the way it used to be, because without having the scientific knowledge, we had the perfect social structures for taking care of all of these problems. <laughs> like, to be quite honest, a drug dealer in such a system would just die face down in a gutter and never have children. Or if he did, you know, they would die too. And you wouldn't have to have a brutal dictator come in and like start sterilizing people or, you know, gunning down people in the streets in order to save your population. Um, which is why, again, so talking about this whole royal engagement, you can look at it from the side of like getting married is certainly better than the way Prince Harry has been doing things, <laughs> right? Um, but he's not doing it 100% right either. And, and race, race issue aside, I'm not even, I mean, you know, she's divorced, she's a commoner, there's all these other issues. Um, have you seen all the women joining the alt-right, like Faith Golden, Lauren Rose, and Blonde in the Belly of the Beast? Have I seen them? Like, seen their YouTube channels? Yes, I'm friends with them. I actually am not friends with Lauren Rose. I don't know her. I've never spoken with her. But Faith um, and Blonde and I, we, we've, we speak on a fairly regular basis, um, communicate in some way on a regular, fairly regular basis. Um, and so blonde and faith, I can speak to very much. Um, I just love those girls. The, they're amazing. Um, both of them have risked so much to be honest and to be amazing examples of womanhood and traditional womanhood and honest, virtuous woman, vir virtuous womanhood in, in our society. And, um, if you can support them, I totally encourage you to do so. Um, um, they are really amazing and they're doing terrific work and, and I love them very much. Okay. Um, let's see. Where are we? Somebody says Lauren Rose is good. I have not. I saw Lauren Rose when she was on This Week in the Alt-Right and that's all I know about her. She was adorable. <laughs> She's absolutely adorable. Um, and I love her name. I don't know if that's her, her actual given name, but it's beautiful. And, um, and uh, she was, yeah, she was very cool. Hey, ain't it weird how Meghan Markle has the same complexion as Faith Goldie? Um, <laughs> 
I think Faith tans. And then obviously she's part Greek, I believe Faith is. She's like Greek and Slavic. Um, okay. I know I said this before, but I should wrap it up. My kids are actually being too quiet now. So, so I'm getting a little worried. Um, it's so hard. Oh, do you homeschool? Yeah. So somebody asked if I homeschool. I sure do. So we, we got started about nine o'clock this morning and we went until we broke for a little bit of an early lunch. So nine to 11 ish or so. And then we, um, um, then we get back at it this afternoon and, um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, Faith is the brownest white nationalist I've ever seen. <laughs> you guys are cracking me up. Homeschool is the best way. Um, I love homeschooling. I love having my kids with me. It's a tremendous blessing. And the time and the attention they get is incredible. But I honestly do wish we could go back to a little house on the prairie system where we had like a one room schoolhouse in your community, you know, that like the men would build the schoolhouse and then the, the parents all chip in and um, a young woman comes to be the teacher and um, everybody, you know, takes turns boarding her at their house. And she kind of just rotates through the family houses over the, the term of the school year. And kids start at age nine. They learn to read at home, but they start school at nine and they're done by about 15. And school is almost entirely rote memorization of facts. And then all of their social interaction and like more creative um, interaction comes from home and from chores and from church. And that is actually, I think, the most perfect educational system. Um, that just is an aside, but we don't have that. So I homeschool. <laughs> um, I would love if there was like a really cool religious school near me. That would be awesome. That like was also red pilled, but what are you going to do? Um, I do think my kids do miss out on some things, not going to school, but they gain a lot being at home too. So it's, it's a trade-off. Do not send your kids to government indoctrination centers. Also homeschool children are literate, knowledgeable people. It's very true. Yeah. But you know, I do have a teenager and he really wants to go to high school. And I'm really, I really struggle with that because he thinks it's going to be like what he sees on TV or reads in his books, you know, high school. Um, but I struggle with that because at some point, you know, I mean, he's, he's getting to be a man and he should be able to make some decisions for himself. And in most communities throughout history at his age, at 14 going on 15, he'd be considered a man um, capable of making his own decisions. And so I do, I struggle with that. It's not, it's not easy. Um, you want to give your kids the childhood they want, but you also have to do your job and protect them, you know? And uh, you have to let them mature at some point too and make their own decisions, even if it's their own mistakes. It's complicated. It's complicated. Life is complicated. And I think that that should sum up uh, today's chat on the royal engagement and everything else in the world. Life is complicated, which is why it's so hard to talk about these things on Twitter. And I'm so glad you guys came to chat with me here on the live hangout. I just needed to get some of that out of my brain and like doing it on Twitter wasn't working. And so um, thanks everybody for coming. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up now. Um, and I will do these more often. This was really fun. This was really fun. I will, um, I'm going to go ahead and
stop broadcasting here in a second. If you want to support my work, I got to throw, I got to ask for the shekels, guys. <laughs> I got to ask for the shekels. If you want to support my work and what I do, please go to wifeforthepurpose.com forward slash support. I've got Streamlabs there. We've got PayPal. I've got a Patreon. Please, please, please consider supporting my work. It makes a huge difference and I appreciate it so much. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.